December 15th, we have the potluck. And on that same day, uh, right after, uh, you know, after the, the main part of it is, is over and the fellowship time is set in, we're going to be holding a new members class. Uh, we, at the beginning of this year, we uh, started, uh, a, we, we voted in a new way of accepting members. It used to be that if you, just, if you asked, if you, if you told us you wanted to be a member, that we voted on you and accepted you in that way. But we found that what, it, what had happened was a lot of people didn't really know what new life was about and what we stood for and what we believed. So we felt it best to um, have this class where I present to you uh, some of the doctrines that we believe, the basic, the main doctrinal beliefs that we have, answer any questions, introduce you to the, the, as many of the staff and the leadership of the church that is there, and explain to you what we're about. Uh, so that you can then make an informed decision if you want to join, and then uh, you would sign the membership agreement. It's not, it, doesn't it doesn't obligate you to anything except that you support, that it, it, except that you sign on the dotted line that you support the leadership and you will support the leadership. It doesn't sign, doesn't sign you up to, to give any money. It doesn't sign you up to even be on, on time at church every week. It simply, it simply signs you up to say, I agree with what, uh, the church has presented, and I will support the leadership of the church. Um, so on December 15th, right after the, the um, and probably during it as well, we'll go to a different room. Depending on how many are there, we might even go down to my office, so it's nice and comfortable. I have a window now. Um, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so um, just mark that down if you're interested. Uh, what that does, it doesn't, it doesn't give you, uh, it, it doesn't, um, you can attend New Life and still be a part. What this does is give you an opportunity. You now have, you will now have voting rights in the church so that you have a say in what we do and how the money is, is spent on a macro basis. And it also opens you up as you grow um, in, and get it, getting into uh, leadership and teaching and things like that if that's where you want to be. Um, so uh, it is, there is some value uh, in, uh, in joining. Last week we started talking about um, the practical side of being a member. I'm still getting a little bit of feedback. The practical side of ministry, um, its importance, its necessity, uh, the local church connection. We've learned all that. And now we wanted to get practical about your gifting and where and how that connects you to this church. Everybody is gifted in some way, shape, or form. The disconnect is that people don't know how to take what they've been gifted with. Some people don't even know how they're gifted. Many of you may be saying, I don't understand what you're talking about with spiritual gifts. I don't know what they are. And some people think that these spiritual gifts are these mystical uh, touches from God that, that give you this and that and the other thing. And they're not. They're just the abilities that you've been given with which to serve God and the passion with which you've been given to serve God. So we're trying to bring that down to an everyday level so that you understand how you can fit in and where you fit in, where you fit in and what you can do here at New Life to be an active, effective part of this church. Let's face it, as I said last week, the church is made up mostly of volunteers who give their time to accomplish the ministry laid out in the scriptures. And those volunteers are truly the backbone of the church. It's the volunteers in the church that get things done. Back in our children's ministry today, every teacher in our children's ministry today is a volunteer 
in this children's ministry. If you were greeted at the door today by a gentleman, uh, Melvin, uh, I think Jeremy was there for a little while. Those are volunteers who give of their time to be out there to greet people. Uh, different things that go on. We don't have a cleaning team, uh, the, a cleaning service that comes in. We have a cleaning team that helps keep the church clean. Our, our, uh, our, our group back in the, in the sound booth, they are volunteers. Nobody gets paid for this. So in order for a church to really be effective and accomplish the ministry that God has laid out for a church to accomplish, we rely on volunteers. But you can't have everybody volunteer in the same spot, right? We need to have people that do different jobs. And amazingly, we have a God of creativity who is not only creative himself, but created creativity. I was driving last night on my prayer drive and I was driving through some neighborhoods and it just struck me, man. I, was, I forget what I was listening to, but I was listening to some music and it was talking about heaven and things like that. And I looked at some of these houses and I thought, God, I said this in my prayer. I said, God, just think of this. I, I, if, if a human being can come up with a concept of one of these amazing, amazingly beautiful and creative looking houses. And then men and women who have that ability can, can put their creativity and their skills to work to build that. What must you be preparing for us in heaven? Because the Bible says, eyes have not seen and ears have not heard and neither has even entered into the heart of man the things that God is preparing for them who love him. So as creative as you can be, if you're a creative type person, or you know creative people, as creative as a human being can be, we can never touch. There is a part of creativity that God has reserved just for himself. And he's using that to design heaven for us. Can you imagine that? That's cool. But God has gifted each and every one of us with gifts and talents and abilities to do certain things within the church. And everybody has different, abil now, different abilities and talents and gifts. Now, maybe yours intersect with other people. Then we put together teams that accomplish things. But we have different giftings because different things need to be accomplished in different ways. And I said this, and this is the, the, the title of this message is The Intersection of Gifting and Passion. And at the intersection of gifting and passion is where you will find your ministry. Where your gifting and your passion come together, that's where you'll find your ministry. Psalm 37 verse 4 tells us, Take delight in the Lord and He will give you your heart's desire. And as I explained last week, I believe this is best, best interpreted this way. It's not that if I love God and follow Him, He'll give me whatever I want. Because we know that that's not scriptural. But if I delight myself in God and his ways and practice his ways in my life, that he will give me the right desires with which to live. Now, that may coincide with the desire of your heart. You may have deep inside you a passion to do something, to express yourself in such a way to show to people the gifts that God has given you. And that may be within God's permissive will for you to do what you love. But remember, everything in life, life is just one big opportunity to minister. So whether you, uh, whether you drive a truck, or whether you build houses, or whether you clean houses, or whether you cook food, whether you uh, design whatever, whether you teach 
people, no matter what it is you do, everything you can you do can and should be done for God's glory because it's an opportunity to minister. Now, the intersection, of gift, the intersection of gifting and passion, the place where what you love to do meets what God has gifted you to do, is what we're going to be talking about. Finding out how the things you love and the things God has created you to be good at can work together to build a church, build relationships, and build the kingdom of God. We started talking about the different areas that we're going to be talking about, where we've broken it down to 11 different areas of ministry, of gifting that we're going to be explaining. And I'm wanting, what I'm wanting to do is give you some scriptural context for these different areas of gifting so that you can take the scriptures, you can pray about it, you can meditate on them and ask God, what is it that you, that you have given me? What is it that you want me to do? I have this passion for things. I gotta tell you, I've shared this with you before. I love church. I love the church. I love everything about it. I love being here. I love hanging out. I love doing anything and everything that has to do with church. So God gave me a passion in my heart to be a church man, as, as they used to call it in the Old West, right? To be a pastor. Can you imagine a pastor who doesn't love church? I bet there are some. Can you imagine, can you imagine a pastor who doesn't have a passion to be around God's people? What a waste of time that, that individual would be. You know, I, as much as I love music, I haven't been given a passion. There's really not a passion to, to learn to play an instrument. My dad tried to teach me how to play the piano when I was younger. My dad, I don't know if you, those of you who don't know, my dad used to be a concert pianist. Amazing pianist. My dad, I used to, one of the things I loved about our home, everywhere we went when we lived in Navy housing, our, my dad's baby grand piano went with us and my dad would play. It was beautiful, man. Um, and I loved listening to my dad play, but I did not have the patience mm -hmm. to learn how to be a good player of the piano. So it was not the passion of my heart. I even tried to do it in high school with a different teacher. And I took about three lessons and that was about it. It's like, where's the soccer field, man? <laughs> you know? But God gives us within our hearts a passion to do the things he's created us to do. And the closer you draw to him, the more that passion will grow and the more he will open up opportunities. So as we look at these, different, these 11 different areas over the next couple weeks, I want, to share, I, I want you to, to ask God, open up your heart and your mind to the Holy Spirit. Say, what, what is it? Where is it that you want me to be? And those areas are, the 11 areas, I think they'll be on the screen. We're going to be looking at the area of administration. The area of craftsmanship and creativity. We have a lot of that in our church. Discernment, evangelism, exhortation and teaching, faith and intercession, giving, healing and mercy, helping and service, hospitality, and leadership. Those are the 11 areas we, now there are some that you, you may be thinking, oh, they were going to get to this. No, we're not going to get to that. <laughs> we're not going to get to different gifts that don't really work within the operation of the everyday, uh, everyday working of a church, okay? You can have debates about different things that you think should be on the list. That's okay. Make, make up your sermon and you can preach it somewhere. But uh, the, <laughs> these are, that came out a little tougher than I expect, I meant it to be, but, but let it sit there, okay? Um, but these are the 11 areas we're going to be looking at. I think that's enough to get a good start, 
Okay? Now, before we dig into those giftings and see exactly what the Bible says to us about them, I believe I need to share a few thoughts about what true ministry is and what it looks like in our lives in a very practical way. Zach shared uh, something about struggling for the last few weeks. It's been a very tough time over the last six weeks or so on our family. Um, Eight weeks, Aaron has it down to the minute. Um, It's been very difficult, uh, very tough. A lot of struggles, a lot of attacks. And I'll just be honest with you. My house, my family, all all we want to do is serve Jesus. All we want to do is bring glory to God. I have no desire to tell you what to do in your life. But I will tell you this, when it comes to this church, you're not going to tell me what to do. Okay? (laughs) When it comes to leading this church, I'm the pastor. And that's final. Until you vote me out of this place, I'm the pastor. Now, I know with that attitude and with that responsibility come things that people are not going to be happy with. And there are people that are going to have their own opinion and want to have their own way in things. What we talked about the last few weeks is this. A church has to run a certain way. And what God has called you to and God has gifted you in doing has to be done through the philosophy and through the leadership of the church. You cannot just come in here and take over. That's called a coup. That's called division. That's called not doing things God's way. And that's called disruption in the church of God. Therefore, there are five things that God has laid on my heart that I believe we all should understand about ministry and where we fit in and what it means to be an effective minister within the framework of a church. I make, I make no bones about this. If you want to do things your way, go start your own church. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm not being flip. I'm not being angry. I'm just saying I take seriously that I have to stand before God one day for the way I lead this church. And I will not let you put me on the spot in front of him. Because I ceded my rights and my responsibilities to you. Does that make sense? It's not angry. It's not arrogance. It's just the fact that I want to stand before God and answer for what I did. One of the hardest things of dealing with twins, and those of you who have twins, listen to me. We've learned this over the last six years of having our boys. They play one against the other, and it's different. I raised three older kids. It's different with twins, I'm telling you. There's no pecking order. And man, they will take the hit for each other too. I would never, you ask my sister Donna, I would never take the heat for my brother David. No way on this earth. My brother David does something, dude, I'm hanging you out to dry. I'm not taking a heat, am I right? I'm not taking a heat for you. My twin boys, whether it's their connection as twins or whether it's their connection because of going through the foster, whatever it may be, my boys will take the heat for each other and they will go down, go, they will go down in flames together. It's one of the most frustrating things of raising, raising twins because you want to be able to, to get the one there to take responsibility for their life because that's what's going to have to happen someday. Well, that's the way it is in ministry. We have to be able to bring ourselves to the point where we take responsibility and ownership for our own lives and not blame other people for what's going on. That we look at ourselves and say, you know what? This is my responsibility. I want to do it for the glory of God. I want to do it within the framework of the church. 
and I want to do it the right way. So what are some things that have to be understood about ministry and serving in ministry for you to be as effective as possible? The first thing is this. Serving in ministry is a daily sacrifice. Serving in ministry is a daily sacrifice. Remember last week I said church is not something that happens for two hours on a Sunday and then goes away for a week. Serving in ministry is a daily sacrifice. Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 say, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. This, ver- this passage, Romans 12, 1 and 2, is the scriptural basis for the it's not about you statement. Truly, it's not about you. It's about him. And if you are going to truly minister through a church and minister in a way that honors and glorifies Jesus Christ, you must daily be willing to sacrifice your way for his way. Let's take our worship team, for example. We have one, two, three, four. What do you have? Five instrumentalists up here today? Five, I think. And three vocalists, right? Four, four vocalists, okay? Oh, that's right. Pete plays and sings. Charity. Very, and charity, that's five. Yeah, and listen, I don't count. I, I, I don't count very well. Can you imagine if Dom started playing a guitar and then Pete started playing and they're playing two totally different songs and then Johnny comes in on the bass and he starts playing a bass line to a completely different song and then Charity starts playing something from U2, you know, and, and then Ben on the drums just starts rocking out to a Beatles tune. And all five instrumentalists are playing something completely different. Well, it's what I wanted to play. It's what I felt led to play. It's what was in my heart. And then our vocalist starts singing. And Zach starts leading one song. And Beth jumps in with another different chorus. And Mary brings up an entirely different song in a different language. And then Charity just starts humming a tune and faking it. And, and Pete just starts coming down with um, a Grateful Dead tune, right? Now, can I ask you an honest question? I know that's kind of a silly illustration, but let me ask you an honest question. What ministry is going to be performed that way? Everybody's doing their own thing, right? Everybody's doing what they, well, this is the way I always felt led to do it. Well, you were wrong. Because the Bible says to do everything decently and in order. And if you are going to truly effectively minister with other people in a church setting, it is a daily sacrifice of your desire. Does that make sense? You've got to be willing to give up your daily desires for the greater good of the kingdom of God and the ministry of that church. It is not about you. At the moment of sacrifice... What was ours becomes his. And that's a capital H. At the moment of sacrifice, what was ours becomes his. You give to God of your abilities and your gifts and your talents so that he can take what you offer to him and inhabit that ability and that gifting and do whatever it is that God does with that. And use it to bring glory to his name. I stand in the back and I look around. And I 
I, I can imagine uh, the view up here during worship from the worship team. And I can see when the Holy Spirit has a grip on hearts and lives. I can see it. That's not a mistake and that's not an accident. That's about eight or ten people up on a stage giving up their own rights and sacrificing their own desires for the purpose of Jesus Christ and leading us to the very throne room of God, the very foot of the cross, so that we can lay down our burdens, we can lay down our failures, we can lift up our strength and praise the one who has given all to us and be ready to hear the word of God. See, worship isn't just accomplished because a bunch of people get up here and, and play instruments and sing. It's accomplished because each individual that's part of this sacrifices their own desire for the betterment and the good of the church and the will and the kingdom of God. Serving in ministry is a daily sacrifice. There's no getting around it. Serving God comes at a cost of many things personal. There's no getting around it. If you're going to serve God, you're going to have to give up your time. If you're going to serve God, you're going to have to give up uh, some, some things that are dear to you. It's just going to have to happen. But it's always, always worth it. Your prayerful attitude should be, here am I, Lord, use me. Here am I, Lord, use me. 1 Samuel 3.10, you remember the story of Samuel, right? Samuel's mom was barren, and she said, God, she went to the temple, and she was praying. And she, she was praying out loud, and she had her eyes closed, and her mouth was moving. And oh, Eli thought she was drunk, right? And he went up to her, and he was going to be like, okay, let's move you to the side here. And she said, no, no, I'm praying. My heart is broken because uh, I want to have a child. And she said, her, her prayer was, God, if you give me a child, I will give him back to you. Remember that? Well, she did. And Samuel went to the, the temple and served. And when Samuel was a little boy, God spoke to him at night. And he heard a voice and he thought it was Eli calling him. So he went and he checked on with Eli. Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. He went back to bed. Same thing happened. Whatever check with him. Took about three times and Eli finally realized, man, that's the voice of God calling this little boy. And he said, next time, respond this way. 1 Samuel 3.10 says, The Lord came, stood there, and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel responded, speak, for your servant is listening. Speak, for your servant is listening. True ministry requires daily sacrifice. It requires you shutting off the world. It requires you shutting off the voices in your head telling you what you have to do for the day. It requires you shutting everything else out and saying, God, speak to me because I want to do what you want me to do today. I want to live for you the way I want you to live today. Lord, in this situation with this individual, I want to represent you your way. I don't know what that is. That's a difficult thing to do, isn't it? To say, I don't know. I don't understand. But God, you know, so you teach me and you lead and guide me so that I can represent you to others in the most effective way. Isaiah 6, 8, then said the voice of the Lord, then I heard the voice of the Lord asking, who should I send? Who will go for us? I said, here I am. Send me. Whew. 
Here I am, send me. I'll tell you what, I'll be very honest about it. I've been very honest with my father in the past. I had no desire to come back and take this church as pastor. I would go anywhere. And I told God, I'll go anywhere. I was going to be a missionary in the Philippines. I was going to take over a ministry that had, a, had access from the mayor of the Philippines to go directly into the largest high school in the world, high school of over 50,000 students, to teach Bible classes. I was a youth pastor at the time. I was all over that. Bam, God shut that door. I was going to be a missionary to England. Bam, God shut that door. The passion of my life was youth pastoring. Bam, God shut the door in the church I was working at. And I had a clear understanding that I needed to resign. Why? Because it was time for me to come back home and pastor New Life Church. Because I said, God, I will go where you want me to go, not where I want to go. Tell you what, God doesn't make a mistake and I'm exactly where I want to be, exactly where I need to be. I know what my dad means now. When he used to say, I want to say, I want to preach my last sermon and die behind a pulpit. This place is the passion of my heart and my life. Other than my family, other than my wife, this church is what it's about for me, serving God through this ministry. When you say to God, here I am, send me, he will give you an answer and put you where he wants you to be. Remember, you're not God's advisor and you're not God's consultant, you are his servant. Let me say that again. You are not God's advisor, you are not God's consultant, you are God's servant. Second thing we have to understand is this, true ministry requires true change. True ministry requires true change. You cannot, what the old, the old uh, Southern pastor says, if you is, said this, if you is what you was, then you ain't, right? If you're the same person you were before you accepted Christ, then something hasn't changed in your life and you're not really serving God. True ministry requires true change, change in attitude. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. See, the new has come. Some people come to a church, and I know it's nobody in here, but I know many of you know people like this, Right? They come into a church and they say, I don't need to learn anything. Just plug me in and I can teach whatever needs to be taught. But don't worry about me. I got myself under control. Right? I think you understand the change in attitude that needs to come there. You can be taught. I learned from, <clears throat> from my little boys. I learned from my wife. I learned from people all the time. I try to make sure I'm open. It's tougher now that I'm almost 57. But, <laughs> somebody's, wow. but, but it's still necessary. If I want to continue to grow and learn and become what God wants me to be, I need to be open to learning. And sometimes that means a change in attitude. I can learn. Second thing it requires is a change in purpose. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8 says, Speaking of Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on the cross. Now, understand and listen carefully as I say this, because I don't want this to come across as being um, wrong doctrine 
or being heresy? Understand what I'm saying. When Jesus came to earth, he had a change in purpose. Okay? He went from the creator of all things, and he was still going to be the creator of all things, but he, he went from being the creator of all things to becoming the savior of all things. He had created everything, and now, because of the sin of mankind, he had to become a ransom for many. Sometimes you have to be willing to change the purpose for which you came here. You have to change the, be willing to change in purpose for what you really think you are best designed for. And allow God to lay on your heart the purpose for which he wants you in this church. If he's brought you here, and this is where you know you're supposed to be, he's got you here for a purpose. Maybe what is stopping you from moving forward in that purpose, listen closely, maybe what is stopping you from moving forward in that purpose is your attitude. Because you're saying, eh, they haven't brought up my, they haven't brought up my area yet. And I'll stick around and wait until, as they say, I said this to somebody this morning, as the young people say, until they bring my, my until I find my jam, right? Until I find what is, what suits me. Until, until I find what, what, what I really want to do, until they come up with what I really want to do, I'm just going to sit here. Maybe, let me, let me say this to you. Maybe God is prompting you to tell me what you are really good at and what you really love to do. Because maybe we are waiting to get something started until we have somebody who has a passion for doing it. Does that make sense? I'm, I love what I do, but I'm a very limited man as far as gifting goes. I'm very comfortable in saying that, very comfortable in my, in my bald-headed skin. No problems admitting that. None whatsoever. And I think that's an important, fact for, an important fact for me to admit because I don't feel compelled to run around and do everything. Okay? There are people in this church that are gifted and have passions for certain things. It's amazing. One individual came up to me last week and, and said a certain thing was her passion. You know what has happened this week? Things have blown up on that passion front. And we've seen all kinds of opportunities come up. When, and I'm not a big speaking it into existence person, but when, when, that, is, when that is brought out, man, now, now, now our attention is focused to an area of need and an area of ability. I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome. But a change of attitude is required. A change in purpose, I'm sorry. And thirdly, a change in worldview. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. So if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, where Christ is seated at the right of hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Seek the things of God, not the things that will benefit you. You know the cool thing about being a follower of Jesus? He says, if you follow me and if you give me everything and if you make my purpose your life's ministry, ministry mission and work, then I will take care of you. I'll provide for you. I'll make sure that you're taken care of. It's kind of a no-lose situation. And on top of all that, I'm preparing a place for you for eternity. You give up a little bit, you give up some things here on earth for the good of the kingdom of God and to reach other people with the gospel. And in heaven, 
He's making something you can't even think of or describe. Not a bad change up, not a bad trade off. Third thing we need to understand is true ministry requires true faith. True ministry requires true faith. Believing, with what you, uh, believing that what you are doing is for the kingdom of God and does make an eternal difference. What you are doing is, is for the kingdom of God and that what you are doing makes an eternal difference. I'm telling you folks, through ministering to, through New Life Church, you're making an eternal difference in people's lives. You truly are. Whether it's serving in any way, whether it's giving in the offering on Sunday morning, whatever it is that you're doing, if you're involved in this church, it's making an eternal difference. I can testify to that from my two sons. Other family members here can testify to that from their children, their marriages, whatever. My boys are, are growing in the Lord in this church, man. That's awesome. I'm excited. Well, you know what? I don't teach a Sunday school class. And I don't fund everything that goes on here. You do. Therefore, believing, you believing that what you're doing, the sacrifices you're making, make an eternal difference, has to be true. It requires true faith. Hebrews 11 verses 1 through 3. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for. The proof of what is not seen. For it by our ancestors won God's approval. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. You know when you pray. If you pray the way God calls you to pray. You pray in faith. When you pray for me. Can I share something with you? When you pray for me and ask God to give me the strength and the wisdom to do my job in this church every day, there are opportunities that you, know, you may never know about until we get to heaven that God opens up for me to minister to people, to reach out and to help people, to be part of bringing people out of crisis or dealing with them in crisis. Things that I would never share because they're personal for other people. But because of your prayer of faith, because of your giving, because of whatever sacrifice you give on my behalf, you are making an eternal difference because you're giving me the ability to minister through this church. Does that make sense? Your sacrifice gives others the opportunity to accomplish ministry for the kingdom of God. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us, lay, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was laid before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, it takes faith to do what we do. Everybody is mocking what we believe. There are people running for president that say that unless we toe the line with their beliefs, that we should lose our right to be a church. There are people that want to take away the freedom of religion in this country. There are people that are attacking the church just because they don't like what we stand for. It is faith that makes you stand up for what you believe. Because what you believe, what you believe is what you believe is doing what's best and right for the kingdom of God. It requires true faith to accomplish true ministry. Number four, true ministry asks the question, 
What blessings am I missing because I'm where I want to be and not where God wants me to be? That's a deep thought. What blessings am I missing because I'm where I want to be and not where God wants me to be? Have you consulted God about your life's plan? Have you asked God what he would have you do? Where he would have you participate? What he would have you sacrifice in the area of, of personal time and ministry? What blessings are you, are you missing personally in your life and in your family because you aren't taking the time to be where God wants you to be in your own personal spiritual growth? What blessings are you missing because you're holding on to money too much? And we don't talk about it much here, but I'm going to talk about it a little bit. You're holding on to that money and saying, I need it more than God needs it. And while it's true that God controls the, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and God doesn't need your money, it is one thing he's given us to be stewards of and one thing he's commanded us to use to show faith and minister to, to, to the world through a local church. What blessings am I missing because I'm where I want to be and not where God wants me to be? Revelation 3.8 says, I know your works. Look, I have placed before you an open door that no one can close because you have but little power. I've placed before you. You know that life is filled with open doors as a Christian? Life is filled with open doors. That's what ministry is all about, walking through the open door. Gaither Vogel, Band, Gaither Vogel Band, you can look it up on YouTube, sings a song, Beyond the Open Door. A beautiful, amazing song. What is beyond the open door? The problem we have is that we're too afraid to walk through that door. We're too afraid to step through the door of faith and see what God has for us. What does God have for you if you would just do what he's called you to do? Open doors are ministry opportunities. They're meant to be walked through. And lastly, true ministry desires the best gifts. The gifts that will build a church. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Choose life. Choose life. Over the next couple weeks, as we look into these, these giftings, my challenge to you is going to be this. Open up your heart and open up your mind. Spend some time in prayer. If you remember, Pastor John said to pray about something and you forget what it is, you can look back and listen back to the, the uh, you can go on Facebook and you see this message again. You can go on to our podcast and you can listen to it again. So you remember to pray, God, what do you want to reveal to me as far as gifting and ministry goes? Please show me. I don't have a clue. Did you know I'm still learning things about myself and giftings that I have? I'm still learning things. After walking with the Lord for as many years as I have, there are still things that I need to learn and things I can learn and I want to learn. And as, quite honestly, as society changes... And as opportunities and technology changes, there are greater opportunities that are opened up for ministry throughout the church. So my challenge to you is to ask God, what is it that you have gifted me with and how do you want me to use it? Where do I fit in in the ministry of the local church? Everybody fits in in the congregation. But where do you fit in in the ministry 
of the church. The hands-on stuff. What is it that God wants to do with what he's given to you and how he's gifted you especially so that you can give that part and fill and play that role and do what is needed to do in that area of ministry to build the kingdom of God through New Life Church. I'll tell you what, I am so excited. I almost want to call the missionary, Craig Ossip, who's going to be here next week and say, ah, you don't have to show up. Because I, I want to share this, but it's, it's good. It's good. Uh, Craig, if you're watching, please come. Okay? Not about you. <laughs> it's not about me, right. I am so excited not to preach this. I love to preach, but I'm so excited to preach this. Not for me and my fulfillment, because I know that if you spend the time asking God to show you your gifting, and show you where you fit in to the ministry of New Life Church, God will open up doors and open up eyes and reveal to you where, where it's supposed to be at and reveal to me and we'll come together and things will work out and great things will be done through the church. I can't wait. I can't wait to see what God is gonna do in each and every life because of the revelation of the giftings and talents that he's given to you. I challenge you. Have the courage to pray and ask him for a revelation in your life. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, we want to thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. Lord, what a great crowd on a rainy Sunday in November. So thankful that you've given us the opportunity and the place to serve you. Lord, I ask that you'll open up our hearts and our minds and our eyes to your leadership. Lord, New Life is, is a church on the move and growing. And Father, it, it, what that does is open up many opportunities for people to get involved. And Lord, so many times we ask ourselves, what can I do? And we're asking ourselves that question. God, I pray that you will prompt us all to ask you what it is that you've gifted us with and how that can be used. Lord, there's somebody in this congregation, there's some bodies in this congregation who have amazing ideas for ministry that will fill a need and a void that I don't even see. And I pray that you'll give them the understanding and the wisdom and then the courage to seek that and then to do something about it. Lord, as we go from this place today, I pray that you will send us off as worshipers of yours. Help us to see the ministry opportunities every day that you place before us. And may we honor you in all things, Lord. For it's in your precious name we pray. Amen.